finishing up uh, Esther, where we've been for the last uh, month or two. We'll finish that up here in uh, January. Um, but for today, we had an open week. And yeah, it's always, it's always fun. It's always nicer when you're, when you're in, the, um, in the preparation. And you know, we, we lay out most of what we're going to preach um, months in advance and have, you know, three months from now, you know, I know what the passage is on that week, and that's always, you know, helpful, and it's, uh, I'm, I'm one of those people that I don't, I don't like open-ended assignments, like, write on whatever you want. Where, where do I start with that? Uh, there's, there's way too many options. Um, so I was trying to think of something that I knew a little bit about already, that I'd studied before, that, um, maybe tie in with the new year, or maybe tie in a little bit with um, where we've been in Esther. And so I ended up settling on um, Isaiah in chapter 46. And so Isaiah 46 is on page 643 um, of the Bibles on the chairs there, if you're using one of those. Um, and so let's uh, start by reading the passage together, and then we'll kind of go into what's going on here. Isaiah 46, um, starting in verse 1. Bell crouches, Nebo cowers. Idols depicting them are consigned to beasts and cattle. The images you carry are loaded as a burden for the weary animal. The gods cower. They crouch together. They are not able to rescue the burden, but they themselves go into captivity. Listen to me, house of Jacob. All the remnant of the house of Israel who have been sustained from the womb carried along since birth. I will be the same until your old age, and I will bear you up when you turn gray. I have made you. I will carry you. I will bear and rescue you. Who will you compare me or make me equal to? Who will you measure me with so that we should be like each other? Those who pour out their bags of gold and weigh out silver on scales, they, they hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god. Then they kneel down, then they kneel and bow down to it. They lift it to their shoulder and bear it along. They set it in its place and there it stands. It does not budge from its place. They cry out to it, but it doesn't answer. It saves no one from his trouble. Remember this. And be brave. Take it to heart, you transgressors. Remember what happened long ago. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning, and from long ago what is not yet done, saying, My plan will take place. I will do all my will. I call a bird prey from the east, a man for my purpose from a far country. Yes, I have spoken. So I will also bring it about. I have planned it. I will also do it. Listen to me, you hard-hearted, far removed from justice. I am bringing my justice near. It is not far away. And my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion, my splendor in Israel. Let's pray. God, we pray that as we look at your word today, that we would see that there truly is no one who compares to you. We 
pray that you would help us to see that you are worthy of placing our trust and our faith in. And we pray that um, you would help us uh, to live as those um, who are yours. Amen. So we're jumping into the middle of uh, a really long book. There's uh, 46 chapters when you're jumping into 40. And there's, you know, 66 in Isaiah. Like, what, what's going on here? So um, to start out, Isaiah um, is a prophet. And prophets didn't only just tell what was going to happen. They told the people what, what was wrong with them right now and why they were in the troubles that they were. Because what, what they were looking back to, in addition to hearing from God, was just going back to the covenant that God had made with his people back in Deuteronomy. So I have two quick verses here, but if you're... If you're reading through the Old Testament, whether you're reading through a prophet or you're reading through, say, um, Judges or um, one of the histories like Kings or Chronicles, and you're looking like, man, why do these certain things seem to happen to Israel? You can just have Deuteronomy 28 through like 30 next to you and just kind of see, oh, this is lining up with this verse here. So Deuteronomy 28, um, at the end of Deuteronomy, um, Moses knows his time is up, and the people are going to go into the land, and Moses isn't going to go get to go with them. So he's saying, here's what's going to happen to you going forward as you follow God. He says, if you faithfully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all his commands, the Lord your God will put you far above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings will come and overtake you because you obey the Lord your God. And he goes on for like another 14 verses to talk about how you're going to be blessed in the, in the city and in the country. And in everything you do, and you're going to have great crops, and you're going to have success in business, and all of this stuff. And then in verse 15, he says, but if you do not obey the Lord your God by carefully following all his commands, all these curses will come and overtake you. And so he goes into all these things about how um, foreign nations will come and attack them, and they'll lose in battle, and they won't have good crops, and there will be famine, and all of these different things that... Um, some of them are, are pretty bad, and you're like, wow, that's really specific. And then you look forward and see, wow, those very specific things happen, both good and bad. And then in, I don't have this up here, but in, in verse, um, the ver first, in the first verses of chapter 30 of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses says, eventually you're going you're gonna to have a, a come-to-your-senses moment, and you're going to repent. And like we sing, you're going to come to the altar and you're going to say, man, why were we not following God? Why were we doing all these things and chasing these other gods and putting our priorities in the wrong place? And you're going to come back to me and I am going to restore you. I'm going to bring you back from no matter how far away you are. And you will again be my people. And so he says this in, in Deuteronomy. And so that's the theme that you hear through all the prophets. So in the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, he is telling the people, hey, things are really bad. These are all the ways that you are falling short of what God has called you to do as his people. You, um, you're following wrong gods. You are not um, carrying out justice. You are not caring about the poor and the oppressed. All of these things you are doing are wrong, and, 
because of that, you're going to be taken into captivity. And so then we come to 46 is in the next section of Isaiah, which is chapters 40 to 48. It's a great section, which we're probably familiar with, with some of the verses, say like from, from chapter 40, where it talks about um, even youths grow tired and weary, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength, right? That's a familiar verse. And mount up on wings like eagles. In, in chapter um, 41, we remember a couple weeks ago um, when we were talking about Esther chapter 2 and how her name in Hebrew, Hadassah, was for the, the myrtle tree. And chapter 41 is one of those chapters where Isaiah talks about different trees, including the myrtle tree, that are going to be a sign that God is going to restore the fortunes of his people. And so this, this section, 40 through 48, is God telling the people that are in captivity that there is still hope. That even though you're in the curses section of Deuteronomy 28 right now, that God hasn't forgot that there is chapter 30 yet to come and that he's going to bring about all of what he has said. And so chapter 46 kind of is toward the end of tying together a lot of what these previous five, six chapters have talked about. And so we, we get to these first two verses and it's describing this procession. So we've all seen parades, right? We don't have um, like military parades in our country much anymore. Um, I think a lot of it, you know, with how much we see about what really goes on in war, it's hard even for people coming back to have a celebration. Like we might remember the images of people coming back from World War One and the pictures of people parading through the streets. But in, in this time, when you were victorious in war, you would not just parade yourself so everybody could cheer for you, but everybody that you captured, you would parade their leaders, you would parade all the, all the wealth and the stuff you got, you would parade their, their gods and their images along the pathway. So like, I feel like this would be a lot more fun and would make, say, like sports a lot more exciting in the playoffs if, you know, at the end of the year, when, when somebody wins like the NBA championship or the Super Bowl or something, they'll go to their hometown and they have a parade and they all like ride through the street on, on buses with floats and stuff. But they don't get to like the teams that they beat. They don't get to have like those guys riding on the, the train behind them and everybody from the, from the other team to get to like laugh at them. This is, that's basically what happens, except in a much more, you know, serious way. And these situations. So what, it, so what is going on here? Bel and Nebo are the gods of the Babylonians. So the Israelites that um, Isaiah is talking to are the ones that have been taken into captivity into Babylon. These are the people that were just a couple generations before Esther. And so Bel and Nebo, right, if you remember like uh, Nebuchadnezzar, that's the same root of Nebo. So 
These are the gods of the Babylonians, and we see a very big theme here in verses 1 and 2. You probably heard it or saw it as we were reading. This repetition of crouching, towering, carrying, loaded, burden, weary, power, crouch, burden, not able to rescue the burden. It's a weary verse and it's one of those that when when you're when you're hearing it when they would have heard it in in the hebrew it's a lot a lot of those you know like those long sounds that just like it it's just like you get tired saying the word one of those kind of words there's a lot of those kind of words in there and so this whole section here these two verses are just we're just weighed down by reading them, because that is what the picture of these foreign gods is. These gods that are of the nation that has the Israelites in captivity, and, and God is saying that they are about to be taken into captivity themselves, because he has predicted in the previous chapters that Cyrus will come from Persia and overtake them and be the person that allows the Israelites to go back to Jerusalem. And so when that happens, Bel and Nebo, well, they're images, it says, they're going to be stuck on these carts going through the procession, and they're not going to be able to do anything about it. They're not going to be able to get off the cart and say, no, no, I'm not going into captivity. They're not even going to be able to, these, these poor weary animals, they're going to pull these idols along. These gods can't even help the animals with some of the burden, like make it lighter or anything, or give them more energy to be able to, to carry it. Right? For, for all of what these people have placed faith in these gods for, ultimately, they can't do anything, and they're actually making things worse because they themselves are a burden. What, what a waste. What, what's the point of having a, a God if it only makes things harder for you? And so we see the contrast between the gods who are carried and now in verses 3 and 4, the God who carries. And in verse 3 here, God is actually able to talk, unlike Bel and Nebo, who we just have to take this third-person description of. The Lord speaks. He says, listen to me. All you who have been sustained by me from the womb, carried along since birth. I will be the same until your old age, and I will bear you up when you turn gray. I have made you, I will carry you, I will bear and rescue you. So, there are some of you here today that, that carried your children here. Could you imagine having to carry them until they were old and gray? I mean, Tison looks kind of tired right now. <laughs> He's got two. I don't, you know, making it making it another half hour would be 
you know, a miracle. And at the end of that, he's still going to be tired. And God is saying, each and every person, each and every generation, all the way back to Jacob, the whole house of Israel, not just you people now that I'm talking about. I've carried all of you since birth. I've carried you all until your old age, until you turn gray, and every day in between. And I don't grow weary. I don't grow tired. When you wait on me, you actually gain strength. You gain energy. Rather than having to support me, I support you. And so, just a couple highlights here. The first slide, all of these are the opposite. They're the same verbs, but the opposite of what these other gods were able to do. God is sustaining. God is caring. God is bearing. God is caring and bearing, unlike these idols and foreign gods who have to be carried themselves. God is the one who is active. God is the one who is sustaining history. And he um, drives this home by the, the next highlight. Everything is first person. By me is there in the text. Um, they decided to make it easier to read there. But it's by me. I will. I will. I have. I will. I will. I will rescue you. God is making it clear here that no one else can do and no one else will do the job that God alone can do. And that's what he says, starting in verse 5. He says, like, obviously you've seen this comparison. I've, I've, we've just read these previous four verses, but in verse 5 he makes this, basically, it's sort of unfair because... It's comparing something that exists to something that really doesn't. But it's also quite fair because it's what reality is. Who will you compare me or make me equal to? Throughout these eight chapters here, over and over, this idea that there is no other is repeated throughout these chapters. I am God and there is no other. Who will you measure me with so that we should be like each other? You're going to measure me against these gods that can't even help, like a cow, carry their, their idol along? You're going to get carried off into captivity just like you people have been carried off into captivity? You're going you're gonna to trust in somebody that is of no use or help to you? And... And this is another section here in verse 6 of several in these chapters where we have a description of what's really going on when people are worshiping an idol. And just that there's actual humor in it, even though it's ultimately sad when we think about the reality of what it means. He says, they pour out their bags of gold and their silver and they hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god. And then they kneel and bow down to it. And three lines before they kneeled and bowed down, they were taking it out of their pocket. 
They took it out of their pocket and melted it. Now, now it's apparently worthy of bowing down to. And repeating this idea of carrying and bearing, they lift it to their shoulder and bear it along because that's the only way that this God can come along with them. This God can't get anywhere on his own. They set it in its place and there it stands. Well, made it. I guess this is where, guess this is where my God lives because he can't go anywhere. Kind of not helpful. It doesn't budge from its place. I don't know if that's, I guess, I guess it's going to mean, I guess that means you don't have to pick it back up if it falls and it doesn't budge. They cry out to it, but it doesn't answer. It saves no one from its trouble. And ultimately, those last three lines are where the sadness is. It doesn't budge. It doesn't answer. It saves no one. If you knew that going in, your God wouldn't budge, it wouldn't answer, and it wouldn't save anyone, you probably wouldn't pour out all your gold. You probably wouldn't weigh out all of this silver that you're about to melt down and have made into an idol. You probably wouldn't kneel and bow down before something if you knew in the beginning it's not ever going to hear you. If you knew in the beginning that when you were crying for help, when you were in trouble, it was worthless. And so God says, not only do I hear, not only do I bear and rescue, not only can I move, not only do I carry you. He says, remember this. Remember what happened long ago. For I am God and there is no other. I am God, there's no one like me. I declare the end from the beginning. From long ago what is not yet done, my plan will take place and I do all my will. Saying not only am I capable of helping you, but I am so powerful that I can make sure that what I want to happen, happens. I am so powerful that I can say, this is going to happen in the future, and make it so. And so that's what he says, I call a bird of prey from the east. From chapter 45, if you look at verse 1, the Lord says this to Cyrus. That's who he's talking about here. The Persian king who is going to allow um, the Israelites to go back. A man for my purpose from a far country. He says, I'm bringing somebody that's not even in the picture right now. And they're going to be the one to take out your oppressors and to give you rest. He says, I have spoken, so I will also bring it about. Not only does, unlike these gods, not only does God hear, but he can speak. Listen, you hard-hearted, far removed from justice. I am bringing my justice near. It is not far away. My salvation will not delay. 
Here are these people who, much like the gods at the beginning of this chapter, are feeling weary and worn down and burdened. They have pursued the wrong things. They've pursued the wrong gods. They've put their trust in the wrong place and everything has crumbled around them. And these chapters are giving them hope. Salvation is not far away. Justice is at the doorstep. Soon it will happen. And because they know, they, rem they can remember as God's people from verse 9. Remember what happened long ago? They're like, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's the God that has borne us through all these years. He's the God that was faithful this time and this time and this time. He's the God that delivered in this way, in this way, in this way, just like he had said he was going to deliver before those times. So when he says now that he is going to deliver, why, why would he not be able to deliver? Why would he not be able to bear and rescue us just like he bore and rescued our ancestors? Why would we not be ready to see justice and salvation? Why would we not be ready to put our trust in him? Why, why would you not? It comes back to that question in the middle. Who will you compare me or make me equal to? Why would we not go back to God? Why would we not? Like Deuteronomy says, come to our senses. Like even these verses in these other sections say, if you look at uh, chapter hang on, 44, there's another section where God is describing this process of somebody making these idols. And in, in the section of verses like 12 through, through 20 of chapter 44, and basically the guy goes and he, and he cuts down a tree and he takes some of it and, and he uses it to make fire um, so he can have some bread. And then he makes some of it into an idol. He takes some of it and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Verse 15, he even makes it into a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and bows down to it. And at the end, verse 18, such people do not comprehend and cannot understand. For he's shut their eyes and they cannot see in their minds, so they cannot understand. No one comes to his senses. No one has the perception or insight. Well, I burned half of it in the fire, and I also baked bread on its coals. I roasted meat and ate. Should I make something detestable with the rest of it? Should I bow down to a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. His deceived mind has led him astray, and he cannot rescue himself. Or say, isn't there a lie in my right hand? I'm carrying this God. <laughs> this God? <laughs> didn't, I, didn't I just, like, chop this tree down? Didn't I just pull this silver out of my pocket and melt it down? What am I doing? What am I following? I'm asking something to carry me, to bear my burden, to rescue me in trouble that 
was never meant, was never made, was never created for that purpose. When all along, I had access to the one who is the one who carries people, who wants to carry me, who wants to bear me up, and who is willing to, even into my old age, through every day and every mistake that I make, to continue sustaining me. But they've gone after other things. And so this is not unlike unlike us. Maybe you're looking at this and you're saying, well, I, I never went down to the, the idol shop on uh, President Street and, you know, gave them all my gold so they could make me into this. You know, maybe I never went to the park and cut down the tree. That would be bad. Don't cut down the trees in the park. We need, we need trees in the city. We don't have enough. But, right, I never went down and cut down a tree and, and like, carved some of it so that I could, like, have this idol. But even if they aren't carved out and placed in temples, our idols could be deposited in our bank accounts, found on our report cards, our resumes, our relationship statuses, anything that we can cling to that we think in the midst of all the weariness that we experience in life will give us refreshment or energy or worth. But ultimately, life will prove to us over and over that whatever that thing, person, idea is that we are making into a God instead of God that those things just like Bel, just like Nebo, just like these idols in Babylon they're a burden if they aren't God when tragedy strikes, when our stress levels rise when we have a loved one die, when your money grades, friend, spouse, job, or intellect let you down, you're left to care yourself and your God. And that is not a great situation to be in. We weren't made to carry our gods. God made us supposed to carry us. So as we, as we come into this new year and we think about at that time how short life can be, we can think about how hard this past year has been or how hard weary the next year may make us not knowing what's on the horizon, 
place our trust in any number of things. But why not place our trust in the God who knows what's going to happen? Why not place our trust in the God who made us? Who, as Psalm 103 says, because he formed us from the dust, he he knows how to love us. Because he knows that we are frail and that we become weary and that our time is short. Why would we not place our trust in this God who has no equal, who has no one to compare to, who has no one who can measure up with him? Why would you settle for anything else? Don't Carry your God. Let your God carry you. This is a, so this week, I would encourage you, um, if you have the time, even just these eight chapters, Isaiah 40 through 48, just read through them and sit under them and experience how great God is how alone as God, God is, and how worthy of depending on God is. That there is one Savior, there is one rescuer, there is one sustainer. And take some time and reflect on When important moments come up, when crises come up, when stress comes up, where are you turning? And if some of it seems like, well, I don't quite know if that's God or not, then that's an opportunity, just like God continually gave the Israelites the opportunity, like he gives us the opportunity to say, man, I should come to my senses. And... Whatever it is that I've been having as my backup plan, as my fail-safe, as my, this is what I'm going to fall on if things get bad. Man, I need to make sure that that's God. I need to make sure that I'm not trusting in something that one day I'm going to wake up and come to my senses and be like, really, really, Sean? The whole time, that's what I was trusting in? That's what I was depending on, look how tired it made me. Look how it weighed on me. Because that's, that's our God. His, what does Jesus say? My burden is light. I'm not going to weigh you down. I'm carrying you. I'm supporting you. I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to renew your strength. When, when we can zoom out and look at the situation like this situation that Isaiah's audience finds themselves in here. It's pretty easy to see. Oh, well, of course there's no comparison. Like, one is God and the other is stuff that people made up. But when we're the ones that are in the situations of whatever the verses are talking about, 
it's harder to see and it's easier for us to be like that guy in chapter 44 who is blinded and can't see and can't come to his senses. Which is why we need to remind ourselves of who our God is over and over again. I am God. No one is like me. I am God. There is no other. And what a blessing it is that he has made himself known to us and that he wants to carry us, that he wants to be there until our old age, until we turn gray, that he is there every step of the way. Let's pray. God, we thank you that as we talk to you, as we sing your praise, that unlike these other idols that you can hear, that when we call out to you, you hear our cry, that you have compassion, and that you can act. That we don't have to drag you with us. You are everywhere. You are with us as your people. How wonderful it is to know that you are Emmanuel, God with us. God, we pray that each day, that you would help us to depend on you, that you would help us as so many things, so many messages would come at us to tell us that other things are worth investing our faith and our trust in, that you would help us and remind us that you are God and there is no other, that you alone are worth serving, are worth relying on, and are worth depending on. We pray that you would help us to be a people that is not too proud to be carried, that is not too proud to go to you for help. And we pray that because we follow you, that others would be able to see in our lives from the examples that we see that you indeed are one who generation after generation cares for his people. We love you. We thank you for your care. We thank you each and every day for the grace and the strength that you bring. Amen.